Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this week's Red Voices. Pleasure to have you with us for what's sure to be a decent pod this week. Games against Newcastle, Reading and tonight's one over Spurs to go. With myself, Ewan, Rich and guest star James Besson too. Gosh, it's all uh, quite fun, isn't it, Rich? How's tricks? Not too bad. I've recovered now after that heart-stopping 90 minutes. Yeah, the aneurysm-inducing yeah, yeah, second half at Wembley. Exactly. I've got, we've gone back to United taking a few days off my life every every other week, which is good. Which is a good thing, yeah. James, how about you? Uh, like Rich, recovering. I was counting down those minutes. From about 60 minutes, I was just... Every minute was passing. Every minute was passing. And we seemed to lose our way. I don't know, Pogba gave the ball away and... I don't know, on that chance, and then Deli Alley had that chance, and mm-hmm. then from there on in, it was just like, oh, dear me. Oh, gosh, it was so tense, but we got through that game very impressively, considering that was what was supposed to be the first big test of the Solskjaer era. So, yeah, but before we actually get on Spurs, we got a couple of the games to go through first. So, Rich, I mean, we spoke about, um, you know, we were all expecting Spurs was going to be the toughest game of this uh, this opening set of fixtures for Solskjaer. And then just a couple of weeks ago, we had that game against Newcastle just as the first of the new year. It turned out to be a much more uncomfortable experience than I think we were expecting, but we got through it. A really big test for United, that game at St. James's, a game we could easily have not won uh, had we been under a certain other manager. Yeah, I think it was always going to be a different test because because the nature of Benitez's Newcastle is that they, they play every game the same. They're, they're incredibly compact. They play on the back foot and they try and try and nick a goal. When they get the ball forward, sorry, you saw in the first half two or three times when Atsu, they clearly targeted the left-hand side of United, the right-hand side of United's defence, Newcastle's left. And then a few, couple of times in the first half where Atsu kind of turned the defence inside out and got a couple of little scuffed mm. and misplaced shots out of the way. But after that, that was pretty much the most dangerous they were. It was just a case of breaking them down. Um, and ultimately, one of the things that we needed to see from Solskjaer, and, you know, how, how effective his substitutions are. And um, in that game, he brought on Lukaku and, and, and it was immediately effective. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I mean, the only thing you mentioned there about the right side of the fence, good grief, Valencia had an absolute stinker, didn't he? He seemed mired in that yeah. sort of central space, just overlapping either half. He wasn't necessarily defending very well. And he gave Mata barely any support in that first half whatsoever. Valencia's game revolves so much around his physical capabilities. You know, he, he's he's been an incredible athlete, and he's able to get up and down that line. I won't say too much about his crossing, but <laughs> but his you know his abilities are in large part due to his his physical capacity. And it's clear he's thirty three now. He's approaching thirty four, and it just looks like he's he's lost you know ten percent of, of that physical ability of that of that speed of that acceleration and just just generally from his game I think he's I think he's been marinoed as well isn't he because there were opportunities where he could run forward well, well yeah, yeah he was just cutting back and stopping not knowing what to do and it was just he made a big difference to that game on Newcastle I thought he was just stopping so much of our forward play yeah and it was just a struggle mm. to watch and you just thought this is Solskjaer also picked it out straight away didn't he he didn't play today absolutely yeah, yeah. he's not even he's not even yeah. injured is he? he just just didn't no, make, no, just didn't make... not picked no squad. No, no, exactly. I think it's one of the heartening things, isn't it? That you could see from... Well, there's two things. First of all, it's clear that Solskjaer's got his best team very quickly. He's picked out his first 11 and he's sticking with it. And it's, it shows in the performances because they've become more cohesive. Mm. But he's also identified the players that we all know have been weak links who quite clearly can't can't play in the role that we need them to play in. Yeah. And I think Valencia's one of those. We saw Fellaini left out again today. Those players that aren't aren't mobile enough now haven't got the physical capacity to play the way he needs them to play. He's he's ferreted them out very, very quickly. And I think 
Valencia's particularly after the Newcastle performance is one of those yeah absolutely but then you mentioned the substitutions as well though Rich and you were absolutely spot on what was it 37 seconds after Lukaku came off the bench yeah there he is I mean again that Rashford free kick is really causing some problems for goalkeepers at the minute and it was spilled straight away and it was good presence by Lukaku and just good state of mind and actually to be able to get there and just finish it off because United were struggling to actually finish chances off you know the the build-up play was often pretty good the final ball frequently was not so to get that goal scruffy as it was that was a big moment and considering that when Shelby had come on despite his rather blatant attempt and completely missed red card later on that second half Shelby kind of turned the game a little bit in Newcastle's favour because they were starting to be a little bit more cohesive in attack and he was finding some space so that had me a little bit worried, but getting ahead in that game, I think, was the really important key. After that, Newcastle really struggled to make anything, and as a result of that, pushed up high, and there we go. United on the counter-attack. We looked so good on the counter-attack, and what a great way to finish that off as well. Really, really composed finish by Rashford. Yeah, I'd forgotten what counter-attacks were like. <laughs> I know. One of the most, one of the most enjoyable thing, uh, things in this last few weeks, I mean, even today, we're playing away against Spurs, and every time we picked up the ball in our own half, in our own, or the middle third, got four or five players absolutely hacking it forward. That second goal was just against Newcastle was simply because we got we got three or four players very, forward very quickly, and Newcastle did just didn't have the numbers to mark everybody. Mm. They didn't have the players back, and obviously it was you know Rashford was slipped in, and it was a, a fairly easy finish. Having said that. One of the, the, the frustrations of Rashford sometimes is that he's been, he hasn't had the composure and he's one-on-one -on -one with the keeper. But he didn't. He's, I think he referred to Solskjaer talking, giving him some guidance on how to finish. And it was a very a very composed finish. Well, it's flipping worked, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it has. Yeah. Great goal. I mean, got to mention uh, Lukaku and Sanchez in the build-up as well. Sanchez somehow managed to magnetise four Newcastle players to him and nice, nicely slipped that ball through to Rashford. But yeah, it was the composure of that finish. I think that sort of thing isn't something that we've seen a lot from Rashford under Mourinho and I guess that's why it was extra great to see and we saw that again this afternoon against Spurs just the confidence that he seems to have when he's bearing down on goal he's still not 100% there yet but the difference is just night and day and then you know we probably could have finished that game off and made it a slightly more handsome scoreline had we had our shooting boots on and you know one or two players decided to pass as opposed to going for a moment of glory but still you know the composure to finish that game off a game that we almost definitely I would have said would not have waltzed our way through several months ago yeah. I thought that was really encouraging and you know James we'll go over to the Reading game now mm. not a great performance and considering that Reading are close and hovering around that championship relegation zone and a really dog awful season not a great performance but we did enough is that fair to say yeah, I think so. It was it was a hard watch. I was really looking forward to that game. Actually, I thought, oh, you know, United maybe come out and, but the, the you know, you looked at that team when he started. And you thought he's trying to work things out here. I think he's probably learned quite a lot from. Well, I think he's learned a huge amount from the Newcastle game and even more from that Reading game because mm. I don't know. I just I just felt that. Well, Lukaku, I I don't think he played that particularly well in that game either. Personally, I think the structure of the team looked a little bit wrong it didn't look quite right we were sitting back a bit too much I think that was more of a Mourinho performance personally you know and then we got that we, you know, we, we got that penalty sort of halfway through and then that was pretty much it Reading you know they had a few chances then killed the game off then half time and then pretty much done and dusted it was a it was a tough watch you know I was looking forward to yeah, watching that Saturday at Saturday lunchtime yeah I think Solskjaer has probably found out a huge amount in especially the I think the last three games more than he's found out in the first three yeah, I'd agree with that. I think there's an element that 
purely because of the teams that we played and the way we played, I think we understood a little bit more about what is going to be the core component of this United side, and especially the midfield. You know, that was a real key part of the game against Reading. That mid free in the in the midfield free in the first half just got overrun so easily. Yeah, and I think there was an element of personnel there as well. You know, McTominay did all right. Pereira, I think, in that deeper role, really didn't have the best game, but that's not really where he should be playing anyway for me. And Fred, you know, he was all right. You know, he's still a bundle of energy. He clearly wants to make something happen. And I think, again, given a bigger run of games, I think we're going to get a bit more of an idea of what's going on, but I'm still not totally convinced. I did feel Sanchez was almost trying too hard. You know, it felt like he was just... You, know, you could almost see that the t- you could, he's been watching these games for the last, you know, the last three or four games and thinking, oh, I need to be part of this. And he should be, really. And he, he almost came out trying too hard. I'd be interested to see yeah. how he fits in because I think you know him at full power would be is going to benefit that team. But it's, it's knowing where to put him then, isn't it? Would yeah, you put I him mean, where Lingard was today? Sort of like you know, trying um, to cut stuff out? And I, I don't know. It's difficult to know where I'd put him now. I mean, Sanchez is works off the ball quite a lot he's Mm. you know he loves to chase people down and that does kind of ruin his batteries a little bit but at the same time he is always going to trap back a little bit more than Lingard and uh, Martial will so I guess there's an element of that I mean at a more sort of centralized number 10 role or a role where he can float a little bit more which he's not really been allowed to do since he joined United I can see him having more effect I can see him being more successful but at the minute with the way Lingard and Martial and Rashford are linking up it's kind of difficult to take one of them out I think if one of them's going to be taken out at the minute it would be Lingard purely because the other two players around him are just that much more skillful and deadly in those sort of situations. Mm. I think there's a way he can force himself into it, but that's I think that what a great problem to have. You know, that's not one we've really consistently had over the last eighteen months. Where we're wondering which attacking players do we fit in there because this is working out quite well. But still, yeah. you know that that first half, I think we killed the game off as you mentioned there. Great penalty from Mata, considering that he got walloped over in the first half in that foul. And it what took several minutes to VAR to sort itself out, but there we go. And it was nice to see the Kaki get back on the score sheet as well. You know, three games in a row for him. It's useful for him to be getting those goals. You know, I, I think there's probably an element of frustration to him that he's not starting more. And I get that. But with the way the other three are playing at the moment, all he can do is take his chances when he gets them. Mm. And, you know, there was for some, you know, moving on to Spurs, you know, there was some frustrating elements of his performance this evening. But, you know, that's a minor quibble for what Rich was a really great performance. You know, the second half was not easy to watch at all. But considering that was United's biggest test today, I thought we handled it pretty goddamn well. It was so nice to see a United team come out in a big game against a big opponent and go toe-to-toe with them from the start. Mm -hmm. And it was clear that regardless of who we were playing, where we were playing, we were going to get players forward as quickly as possible on the counter-attack. And we were doing that pretty much from the start. You know, we, we matched Spurs charts for charts, really, in the first half, perhaps even created slightly more. Or I think actually Pogba said in the interview after the game, but Solskjaer did as well in the one about half an hour ago that, that they we'd specifically targeted Spurs' as left-hand side as the weak point and positioned Rashford on that side to specifically take advantage of that. And that's exactly what we did. And Pogba kind of said, you know, we, we, we practiced that in training again and again and again and again. The goal was, it was such a lovely goal. I mean, Lingard did what Lingard does, which is which is just pressed relentlessly and won the ball. Pogba took a moment and picked out an absolutely world-class pass. And the finish from Rashford, if you look at it again, there's about a space of about six inches to Loris's right between Loris's hand and the post that he could have slotted that in right from the edge mm. of the area. Really ch- sharp angle. 
No, yeah, you never, you never <laughs> think yeah, he was we... putting that in, though, are you? From there, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't no. thinking he was going to no. put that in, but no. yeah, it was just an extraordinary goal. You know, if you look at pa- Pogba's pass as well, there are so many times where even in just you know general play, he always plays the ball so that somebody's running onto it. He's mm. always got that ability to be able just to put it into that position. Yeah, and that pass was even Sunes was struggling at the end, I think, to, <laughs> not to give him the ten out of ten for that pass, but no, not to pour scorn on it. But yeah, I think. Considering the way we started this game last year, and I'm going to try and stop making so many callbacks to the previous era, of which I'll not be spoken of too much, but the difference in application and the togetherness and the actual effort to make sure that we didn't let Spurs through in that game was impressive. Obviously, we owe a huge debt to De Gea, but I think in that first half in particular, one of and again in the second half, in the first sort of 10-15 minutes, what was really noticeable was when we gave up chances... We didn't sink into ourselves. We kept trying to play and mm. kept trying to attack and kept creating. That was the really encouraging element. Yeah. We didn't sink. We didn't hide. We were, rota- we were rotating the ball around as well. Yeah. That was the thing that was noticeable, especially in the first 20 minutes of the second half before it all went a bit a bit scary, <laughs> was that we were rotating the ball, we were keeping the ball. We were, And that was something we never really did under Mourinho. We'd always just lose it. It's movement. Yeah, and just movement and yeah. giving them opportunities so to pass. And... And it was nice. There were opportunities where we were getting, and then we got a little bit overconfident, and then it started to we started to lose the ball, and then we lost all momentum. Then and it was back to the wall for the last twenty or so. Mm. So, God, I woke up this morning just thinking, God, it's going to be nice. It's nice to watch United again, which is such a nice thing. And I'm not. Uh, that's a big difference. I mean, to me, the big thing coming into this game was I would have almost have taken a draw just to see signs of improvement from these big games from United. Mm. Did you see the way that we played against the top five so far yeah. this season? Lost against City, lost against Liverpool, lost against Spurs and drawn at Chelsea and got home to Arsenal. I don't think, apart from maybe Chelsea away, we put in a good performance in those five games. And what we wanted to see today, with it being Spurs, with it being a good team at home and knowing that everyone's been sort of, you know, trying to take away the achievement of winning those first five games in a row, you wanted to see United apply themselves and actually show up and prove that they can be good enough to be in that top four. Because we've been saying for a while that this team can be much better than it was. And I think that was the first time this season that I've actually felt like, yeah, we actually are something pretty decent here. Yeah. Almost every player on that team is playing twice as good. It's probably 70% better than they were playing under Mourinho. And it's 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 been nice to be to, you know to, to have a degree of vindication. We've been saying a lot of these players are really exceptional players for quite a long time, and, and it, I understand why a lot of people lost faith in them. We need three or four players, no question of that. But there's a core of a team there which is really really talented. Um, our front four is is really special, and I mean guys like Herrera. Herrera's been Herrera's really stepped up in these last few games. And he's playing at a level that we haven't seen since he joined the club. Lindelof's a completely different player. Well, Lindelof for me has Absolutely. been that. That if there's one big plus, yeah. it's been him because he made Jones, which doesn't take much. Look, well, Jones looked kind of ordinary again today. I thought we played okay, but Lindelof is going around with just gritted teeth and yeah, and he made one challenge coming back from. Uh, from I think we were defending a corner, and it was just fantastic. I was God, I was getting. Mm. It was like Vidic almost, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, slow down, James. Slow down. Well, no, but if we had, if we had, if we had somebody, you know, alongside him, a dominant guy alongside Lindelof, I think you'd have a good pair in there. I really do. I think he is yeah. a very talented footballer. I remember as well. He's playing really ideally. You'd you'd probably be looking to replace the other three defenders alongside. <laughs> him. Um, mm. They all need upgrading. I mean, I've, I've I've said it quite a lot, and a lot of people say it again today. It's not. It's not really. A, original thought but I, I don't think Shaw is now anything special 
either in defensive or an attacking sense. And what you what you saw particularly in the first half is that Spurs got into got, got in the channel behind him several times and got over quite dangerous crosses. And it's something that keeps happening when he's playing. And we've all willed him to be the player that we hoped he would be, or even perhaps the player he was before he, mm-hmm. in those few games before he got injured. He he just isn't that player anymore. And if and if you think as James said, Jones is just Jones. He's a, he's a unique and. Yeah, he's just a unique being. And then you've obviously got <laughs> you've Ashley Young on the other side. He's got Lindelof's playing with three players who ideally won't be there anymore. So, you know, that's that, that's more credit to him, I think. Yeah, well, True. what about well, Smalling? They've given him another contract, haven't they? Or maybe is that to get him to, to disappear in the summer? I don't uh, know. It's just... <laughs> that was another bollock, wasn't it? That was another bollock. It's another case of giving a, a guy a contract because the previous manager wanted to keep him. Mm. It's the kind of it's the same the same logic as giving giving Mourinho a new contract when it was far too early to do so and then three or four months later we clearly don't trust him anymore. Solskjaer I don't think will pick Spalling if he's got a choice because he's just terrible on the ball. He's just all just god awful on the ball isn't he? That's just extraordinary yeah. how he even is a Man United player. I just can't Anyway, that's old news. Very true. I mean, I guess looking at that game as a whole, I mean, obviously the highlight, Pogba's stupendously good pass and then that finish from Rashford, which right across Lloris. And I don't think the keeper even did much wrong there. I think he's just surprised by the shot. Yeah, it's just an absolutely superb shot. Um, I think the only thing to take out of that second half, or perhaps not the only thing, I mean, I guess looking at Pogba in particular... Two or three really good chances in that to kill the game off. You know, that one header that was relatively close to Lloris essentially barges way into the box and either side of Lloris and that's going in, but he just wasn't able to get it over him and well tipped over the bar from him. And then that shot where Martial basically just went past Trippier and it seemed like there was an, an eternity of Hobbard's size at that shot. You're just thinking that has got to go in just purely because Spurs at that point were really turning up the pressure. And that was our, real, our last really good look at goal. You know, Romelu, uh, sorry, Lukaku had that chance where essentially he was one-on-one with a defender and then didn't realise that Dalla basically just waltzed into the box all alone, just didn't get his head up and then just fumbled the ball. So, yeah, there's definitely stuff to work on. I think the second half management definitely could have been better. You know, I think primarily because we sat back a little bit more in ourselves and we were really relying on Dave to pull out the stops for us, which he did stupendously. You know, we'll get onto that in a minute. But I still think you talked about the quality of the squad there and bringing in like-for-like replacements to try and keep the tempo up. I think game management needed to come into the equation a little bit more there. There was plenty of times when we were just faffing about on the ball a little bit more. We didn't take the occasion just to slow things down a little bit and get some more possession. And Spurs, on a better day, could easily have equalised in that game. No, I was saying, you know, because I met, well, I messaged Rich in that game, well, in the last 20 minutes, so Pogba just looked lost to me in that in that sort of last 25 minutes or so. Their, their midfielders were running past him. He just didn't know what to do because we were sitting back and he just didn't really know what to do. And I, and that sort of, that was a big struggle. He came off in the end, didn't he, in the last few minutes anyway, but... Yeah, the problem that Solskjaer will, has and will have in this in this situation is he doesn't have obvious replacements who can fill in the same job as other players are doing on the bench. You know, he had, he had to bring Dallow on. He eventually brought Scott McTominay on simply because he's the only kind of combative midfielder who can harry that's on the bench and he left the subs quite late because i think he knew that that, that any changes he made would disrupt what he was trying to get the team to do and you saw that as soon as lukaku came on lukaku just stopped didn't press he didn't press he didn't chase and immediately all the work that front three is doing is disrupted by that and and it went all and it's kind of filtered throughout the team so 
And I think we have to remember as well that Spurs just are a really good team. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. If if you go away to to a team with that's got the attacking quality of Kane and Ali and Eriksson and Lamella and and Son as well, you know Son's been in absolutely sparkling form recently. If you go away away from home against a team with that talent, you're going to have a period of the game where you're going to be under a lot of pressure. It was it was interesting actually after the game. I think the the interviewer was uh, speaking to Solskjaer and he was going on and on and on about how. De Gea had won that game for United, as if as if the rest of the team had been crap. But totally on De Gea that we got the points, and I think he said something like, "You know, De Gea is De Gea is a member of the team too, and he's allowed to make saves." Mm. I think the point the point he was making was that it was a team performance, and he he's the goalkeeper, he's there to make saves, but it wasn't all it wasn't all him. And Solskjaer actually looked like he was getting pretty arsy about about the fact that the suggestion was that it was solely down to De Gea who'd won the game. The goalie is part of the team. It's a member of the team, just as just as Spurs' strikers or Spurs' forwards didn't shoot well enough today. Yeah, if you're going to beat Spurs, you know? you're going to expect De Gea to sort of do some two, you know, two or three good saves in a game. And he did. And the rest of them yeah. really were ones you'd expect him to make. You know, I think against, and, yeah, and against any top four team, De Gea is going to have to make some saves. That's just the way it is. It wasn't quite Arsenal away last year, was it? I mean, that was absolutely stupendous. So that, that really was a one-man show, but there was a lot more to United's performance today than just... To how you're making some really good saves in the second half. Sure. What was your favourite? The one with his left foot. I, can't, I forget who. Alderweireld. Possibly, yeah. And he just, he just, he, he was going right into the bottom left hand corner of the goal, and he just snaked his foot out and just stopped it, just, just ricocheted it around the line. I think the commentator said that you know there isn't a better goalkeeper in the world with his feet, and it's, I don't think there's a better goalkeeper in the world. But the point being, he's almost like it's, it's become his, you know, his signature. Style, isn't it? Like Schmeichel's star jump. Mm. No better keeper filling the filling the goal than Schmeichel in his in his handball way because he played handball, hadn't he? And it was basically a handball goalkeeper's thing. But De Gea has taken the use of the feet by a goalkeeper to a different level. The ones with the feet don't always look as spectacular as the saves, but they're actually better saves. Well, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been able to save some of those with his hands anyway, would he? So no, no, I don't think so. No, you know those ones that are close to you, they're they're always the hardest, aren't so, so and you know it sort of reminded me. The game against Newcastle with Schmeichel, you know, at St James's where we won one nil with Cantona. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. weren't expected a win, scored a goal, won the game. But I agree with Rich. I think, you know, that isn't all just down to you know, De Gea made some great saves, yes, but you know, it was a team performance as well and we dug in at the end. Solskjaer would have learned a lot. We go on, we got Brighton next week, haven't we? So yeah. You gotta think we and with Chelsea playing Arsenal next week. Six points, six no, points. Off well, place. I mean it's all started to open up a little bit now, isn't it? I mean, having won yeah. those first six games in a row, Scott Patterson from Republic of Mancunia brought up an excellent tweet just comparing where we were in the league before Solskjaer took over and where we are now. Right. So City, eighteen points behind to nine, Spurs thirteen points behind to seven, Chelsea eleven points behind to six, and Arsenal eight points behind to level. That is such a magnificent turnaround, and obviously we, mm. you know, we're we're beneficial from the fact that some of those teams have had some rather poor results. But you know, you compare our form at the minute and the way we're playing and the confidence that we're playing with with Arsenal or Chelsea. You know, I watched both games this weekend. Arsenal were pretty wretched at the uh, the London Stadium against West Ham. West Ham thoroughly deserving of that, and Chelsea, bar a few moments of magic, are really struggling when it comes to their attack. There's just there's not much function to it at the minute. They look like they're no. struggling to figure out what to do on the pitch. If they get a striker, that that changes the changes the game. But as they are, they're really struggling, as you say. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think that's the big thing at the minute is just looking at the way that United suddenly seem to be so much more cohesive to the point where you now look at the way the situation's panning out. Chelsea playing Arsenal next weekend. 
whatever happens in that game, we stand to benefit in some way should we make sure we beat Brighton. You know, our next four fixtures again in the league are quite, I don't know, I don't want to say kind because you don't want to sort of fall into this trap of thinking that we're just going to beat everyone now because we suddenly look good. But it's Brighton at home, Burnley at home, Leicester away and Fulham away. At the minute, with the way we're playing, you expect us to get 10 points minimum out of that at the minute, really, don't you? And the remaining top four games we've got at home, haven't we? Well, apart from Arsenal, we got away, but the rest we've got... Have we got at home now? Yeah. Yeah, we've got, we've got Liverpool at home, City at home, Chelsea at home. Yeah, yep. yeah, you're right. Why not? You know, it's there, isn't it? You know, you could do it. It's certainly there. And if, if you know, if Arsenal and Chelsea draw next week or, you know, we could get something out of it next weekend. Absolutely. You never know. we just got to keep it going. James, I mean, I've been speaking to Rich a lot about this stuff and United in general. So I'm going to ask this one to you. What do you think has been the biggest change for United under Solskjaer? Not, be, not having Mourinho there, probably. Um, <laughs> Zing. No, sometimes it's, it might be just a simple thing of just going out and expressing themselves as the players, rather than being forced into some kind of rigid system that a lot of them are just uncomfortable with. Allowing Pogba to move a bit more up the field, you know, and this continual thing that I was always messaging Rich with, oh, we're sitting too deep. Whenever we were playing matches, even at home against middle-of-the-road teams, we were always sitting far too deep for me. We weren't taking the game to the to the opposition at all. And that used to frustrate the hell out of me. Um, but I think that's the big that has been the big change, and you saw that from minute one against Cardiff, really. Mm. And even today, you know, we were we you know we were taking the game to Spurs. Can you imagine how we would have played that game today under Mourinho? Oh. I don't want to. I've got some quotes from Pogba after the game, and he, I think they asked him what, what what the big difference was, and he said, "I'm I would say I'm enjoy, I'm enjoying playing football. It was really difficult with the system we used to play. We attack, and this is the position where I feel most comfortable. And they were talking about forward runs. This is what the manager told me to do. He told me to get into the box. The best example for me is Frank Lampard." Everything comes well when you're free, when you have the trust of the manager and the players. What's interesting mm. is he uses Lampard as the as is it, the example, and he's absolutely playing more in that kind of Lampard role. It's, it's just interesting that, that Mourinho essentially formed Lampard in that role, and yet he then has a player who can play that role, but actually stifles him from doing so. It's a really weird thing that he has. A, you know, you'd think he'd think back and you know, I've got I've got a player here who can do similar things. To Lampard, who could be dangerous in and around the box, so I'm going to make him play as a holding midfielder. <laughs> you know? Did he trust any of the midfit? Did he trust any of the holding midfielders we had though to let Pogba go? No, but it's an excuse. It was an excuse. I don't trust the defence enough. I don't trust the holding midfielders mm. enough. I can't attack because of these things. And you know, I'm afraid. That, well, I'm not afraid. I'm absolutely delighted. The last six games have proven Mourinho to be talking absolute bollocks. <laughs> it was bollocks. He was just cover- he was just covering himself. You know. We've we've shown that even with you know probably three three defenders there who won't in our ultimate best team in a year or two years time and with the same holding midfielders who were absolutely stinking up under Mourinho that we can play an attacking system and we can win not just against you know teams that we should be beating which we weren't even doing before but we can also go to Spurs and win you know yeah. ultimately every mm-hmm. every single game we win now playing like that makes more of a fall with Mourinho hmm. Rich how big do you think that win was tonight I think that, that it was very very easy for people to say he's managed against five inferior teams in terms of quality he's beaten them great but he had a really easy start you know he's he's had a lucky start well you know he's gone to one of the top three teams in the country a team who have been at times playing some absolutely scintillating, devastating football in the last few weeks. The Wolves game aside, and we've gone there and it, the team has shown everything. It's shown that in the first half it could go toe-to-toe with Spurs and really hurt them and unsettle them. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half, as a whole, it's shown that it can it can deal 
with the inevitable pressure you're going to get away from in that game. I tweeted at the end that it was a game in which neither manager came out looking bad. There were no negatives for either manager because for, for, Sol, for Solskjaer, he's gone away and won a big game that everybody was looking at as a, as, as a guide as to really was he doing, doing a great job or not. And for Pochettino, you know, Spurs really gave everything they had in that second half. And they really dominated most of that second half. And ultimately, they were thwarted by De Gea and their own their own finishing. But neither manager comes out of the game looking looking bad. But for Solskjaer, I think that's an enormous psychological boost for, for him and for the team. And I think it's a real shot in the eye for those who were saying that he was just changed us in a way that would be effective against inferior teams. But that when we came up against a really high class side, that that he'd need more depth to his tactical framework. And I think he's, he's shown today that he, he there is depth to, to what he's doing and perhaps it he should get even more credit than he has been. When Solskjaer first got the job, it was always, that was, the, that was it seemed to be that they were, people were just always just going on about the Spurs game. You know, we're just going to wait. Oh, well, wait until we see how he does against Spurs. And and all intents and purposes, they're correct. But even before the game, you know, you know we had Sunes and um, who, was it also, who was also on? Like Robbie, Robbie Keane, Keane, wasn't it? Yeah. You just almost like they were their default setting was oh yeah they were relatively straightforward games you know Spurs are going to win this game and that was it there wasn't really I didn't feel like they were had any sort of feeling that United were going to turn turn Spurs over but hey ho well even Rich did you thought they were going to lose three one didn't you so uh... I did I did I can't, I can't deny yeah <laughs> although I agreed that I didn't think one was going to be enough so hey what do we know yeah. so there we go no no I'd say that the same as well I mean I my I was just thinking at that stage. Just kill the game off. I don't want to be sat back for the next half an hour when Spurs have got one goal to get back. It was it was so squeaky that last half hour. It was really difficult to watch. But again, you know, the amount of times heads in hands and then just watching De Gea just sort of peel away having made another very good save. Admittedly, yes, a lot of them did come right at him. But I don't think any other keeper in the world could have performed like he did today. Because you can just sort of sense sometimes that he's just not going to let anything through. And I think that was one of those evenings. But yeah, going on to Twitter questions this evening, as you can imagine, there is one specific topic that is up for debate. At Solar H- underscore Hits asks, are they going to Solskjaer to stay? Agree? Uh, and then we've got at Man United 91, give it to LA now. At this time, surely. So after all this time, how does Woodward tell Pochettino people he's no longer under consideration for the job? Last one, Jay White 93, I have one foot on the Ollie train. At which point do I put the rest of myself on? now i mean it's a difficult one isn't it if purely because of the fact that we do have to keep this in context six wins in a row considering you know i I would have expected most of us would have bitten your hand off when we actually had this run of fixtures considering the confidence of the team and where things were at after the liverpool match to have turned this around is no mean feat and i think it's especially important rich as you mentioned there to talk about the tactics because there was actually thought and care and consideration into which areas of the pitch we were going to hit at. The actual framework of the team actually seems to be quite intelligently thought out and planned. There's a point to what we're doing. There's structure, there's competency. There's a clear idea of how United are playing. And I'm not saying that just anyone can do that, but I think it's extra impressive that Solskjaer has been able to do that. Whether or not that will actually continue for the next several months to the point where we actually end the season on a relative high and maybe win a trophy who knows but at the moment I'm happy to let this play out for as long as it can because it's just so enjoyable to watch I haven't enjoyed watching United this much since Ferguson's last season I've been really really surprised by how much depth there's been to Solskjaer's management 
we all saw the immediate morale boost of him coming in. For me, the first six games, he's been absolutely flawless. Every interview he's given, he seems to have the right answers. Every game he seems to have approached in the right way with more depth than simply the always pushing the fullbacks further up and asking everybody else to play 20 yards up the pitch. It's not been as simple as that. And I've been, I've been really pleasantly surprised by just how competent he's been at every aspect of the job. But it's been six games. Someone pointed out that Craig Shakespeare won his six games, first six games for Leicester after he came in after Ranieri was sacked. So I think we need to see this level of performance and managerial nous and application for a much longer period before we start talking about Solskjaer as the permanent manager. And I would be very surprised if... Well, I, I don't know, actually, because Woodward's a bit of a dope at times. But we should be still still going for Pochettino as number one choice. We should be pushing ahead with that. And I think it needs Solskjaer to keep this going for a few more months, certainly towards the end of the season, to really get him in the frame for the job permanently, as romantic an idea as it is. Sure. At Cryango asks, what planet is De Gea from? I don't know, the, the, the planet of the octopus people or something. What? <laughs> You've lost all your words, Rich. <laughs> uh, Peter Porker asks, when all centre-backs are fit, in what order would you rate the options to partner Lindelof? Jones was very shaky today. They're all going to be shaky in that position. You know, I still think there's a really good player in Eric Bailly, but but how do you... I think it would take time to polish him as a player. I don't think Solskjaer can afford to do that right now. You know, he ultimately needs to get performances at every game. As Phil Jones as Phil Jones is, he's probably the best option we've got at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'd probably put yeah, I'd probably put I'd probably put one matter ahead of Smalling, probably <laughs> centre back. Yeah, probably. I mean, at least he can play out. Can that's he? very so. true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, true. in terms of order, I'd probably go Bai. But again, the Bai, the problem with Bai is that you kind of need to make him a little bit less Bai, um, yeah. and then Jones after yeah, that, he's and so then Smalling. Rash, yeah, exactly, and then probably Rocco at the bottom. Just purely because the lad cannot stay fit for love nor money. Uh, right. And Miguel Gomez with an interesting one. Ollie is director of football and Poch is manager. Ooh. What do you reckon? Uh, no chance. <laughs> I mean, it's a fanciful notion, but an interesting one. I've had worse ideas. If Ollie knows he's not getting the job, I, I reckon he'd take a job as the, the cleaner of the reserve team toilets that, that devoted to uh, to the club. But, you know, honestly, if he, if he wasn't getting the job, I reckon he'd absolutely jump at that, at that chance. And do you think? Oh, I don't. Oh, I, I do. I, oh, really I reckon do. he I... would. I think he's got that much affection for the club. He would jump at the chance to do that role. And I've been, ma- you know, I've been massively impressed by his presentation, the way he's dealt with people, and you know, a, part, a lot of that role, d- a director of football role, isn't simply just getting together and identifying players. It's actually persuading those players to join you. It's negotiating, you know, getting through agents, nego- negotiating with other clubs. What about Phelan then? I think Phelan's probably had a good... Uh, he must have done a few... You know, he's had a good influence there as well, hasn't he? He knows what he's doing. I think he's a terrific coach. I think... I, I can't underemphasize how important I think it's been that he's come back to United. You know, he probably wasn't quite built for a manager, but towards the end... he no. Towards the end, he, Ferguson said, you know, he did actually did... Ferguson did very little coaching on the on the, the, the training pitches himself. And he just left it to Phelan, you know, with instruction, obviously. And it, I, I think Phelan... Feeling often comes across as a bit of a nice old, almost like a sort of nice friend, the old granddad, doesn't he? If you know what I mean, in, in shorts, in inappropriate shorts. But I do think, <laughs> I, I, I actually think he's, a, I actually think he's a really, really good coach. I think he's a really good communicator with the players, and I, I think he's got a lot more, a lot more now than we think. And that's been a really, really important step 
Sure. Bring him back. Yeah. Tariq Amir asks, given how Ole has steady things, would you allow him a signing this window or keep any transfer activity to the summer? And uh, Romelu? Um, signing? I mean, to be fair, if the money's there, I wouldn't be adverse to United signing anyone. I mean, it's been weird, this transfer window. I'm, I'm guessing you guys feel the same, but I haven't found myself that bothered about the rumours of who we might sign. I found myself much more interested in seeing how this current crop of players can now play under Solskjaer. Mm. Yeah, and this we saw a bit of um, Tahis Chong against against Reading. Mm. You know, he's a terrific talent. We've got three or four really, really potentially special players that are sort of coming up to seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. That training with the first team for me, one of the most pleasurable things, far more than the idea of making a signing, is the fact that Solskjaer is clearly trying to integrate those guys into the first team sphere and and potentially. Play, you know, actually getting games. So who, the thing is, who would who would you you know who are you going to go centre back? You're going to go for that Napoli chap, aren't you? you know, I, is there anyone else? I think Kulibali is the obvious choice to go alongside Lindelof because because he's an absolute unit. Mm. He's that leader of a defence. He's a very very clever defender. He's a very intelligent defender, but he's incredibly powerful, incredibly strong. He's just he would be a perfect foil for Lindelof for me, and I can understand why. We're going for him, and also he's he's 27. You know, he's kind of a his sort of peak age, and he'll be there mm. potentially for three, four, five years, and he's ready to be that senior partner next to Lindelof. And I don't think it would be beneficial for us to buy another guy who's 21, 22, 23 and stick him next to Lindelof because we're going to be in the same boat of needing to kind of smooth off a off a rough diamond. Yeah, and you're going to be sort of, and you're going to be forking out 80 million so to get him for Koulibaly, I'd pay 80 million quid. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a similar thing to Van Dyke, isn't it? You know, you're getting a ready-made centre-back as opposed to one who's got good promise that you're not spending 20 or 30 million on. So hopefully, you'd expect after a little bidding in period, he can be dominant. That's what you really hope for. And especially then, speaking about what Tariq said there, Lukaku. I mean, he is one player that, with those three goals, it's been great to see him get, you know, it's been great to see him finishing well again and actually getting opportunities. But in terms of his all-round play, he has to step up. You know, I mean, I think... Rashford is putting him in the shade to a certain extent with the way he's playing at centre forward and the way that, that front three is working at the minute there's not a spot for Lukaku and he's got to force his way into the equation a little bit more I think you know he came on today and didn't really have that much of a positive effect he wasn't holding the ball up particularly well and he just needs more awareness of what's going on around him maybe that'll come back when he's had a bit more sharpness but we'll see last question of the night Aniket Paktkar uh, tell me how good does it feel <laughs> is that to have Ollie at the wheel it's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I'm enjoying it. It's not flipping bad, is it, lads? Let's be honest. Do you know what? Is it, that, that, that song actually feels meaningful as opposed to Jozo playing the way that United should. Oh, no. Which we never, which we never did. You know, at least, at least that song actually reflects what we're feeling, even if it's got Fred in it. <laughs> yeah. well, just leave him there. He's doing all right. Don't worry. Yeah, being 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 excited to get up in the morning and looking forward to seeing United play. Yeah, because that the Liverpool game was that was the lowest. Yeah, yeah, the lowest of the low. Mm. Liverpool game and the City game. Look at how we approached those two games. There was nothing to performance. It was just lads just getting three lines about ten yards in front of your defence and just defend for your lives. It's essentially mm. what it was, wasn't it? You know, there was nothing. There was no response. There was no positives from those games games at all. And now we're talking a few weeks later about a game again against a top opponent and we've approached the game completely differently and come away with a win. Yeah, it's been pretty good, I'm not going to lie. Awesome. All right, guys, thank you very much for your company tonight. No worries. 
No problem at Cheers, all. gents. And guys, thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week. Or to be fair, how the hell could you not enjoy this week's episode? Don't forget, you can get us all over Twitter. You can get me at you and Leonard, Rich at, at Rich Red Voices. You can get James at, at OS190. And don't forget, you can get the pod as well if you're not already following at, at Red Voices MUFC and the blog at redvoices.net. Have yourselves a superb week. We'll be back after Brighton. Take care. Hold up. 